welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast you should all be in on. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is out on In-N-Out French Fries. Uh, yeah, I, I'm coming around a little bit on him, but that's me, Ryan Newman. Oh, all right. Ooh, a little change of heart. Yeah, had it a couple times recently. Pretty good, pretty good. Okay. <laughs> uh, joined by the other brother, who is in on In-N-Out Burgers. Absolutely. I love him. Trey Newman. All right, on today's episode, we are going to go through some potentially polarizing teams, players, and coaches that were submitted by the listeners uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at CFB Bros, so thank you for that. And we're going to tell you whether we are in or out on them, um, mostly for the for the upcoming season. But first, we have some five-star reviews to get to. We sure do, Michael. All right, and the first one comes from Mr. Belvedere Fan. He says, uh, love the show. Uh, that jazzy number at the end of the show is really jazzy. Uh, I, and also... Highly, uh, highly entertaining college football pod. Thank you, Mr. Belvedere. I right. like it. Next one is from Valhalla24. Love the pod. I like, I, like most of the college football nation, thought Scott Frost would do well at Nebraska. However, I think it's fair to say he has fallen short of expectations. If he doesn't rebound, how do you think the fan, way, fan base would respond to Jeff Munkin? Return of the triple option. Also, I have listened to this podcast in Syria. Go Vols. Wow. wow. All right. That might be a first for us. Um, Jeff Munkin? Eh, I don't think so. Not at Nebraska. Uh, you know, like, I like triple options. Sweet to watch. I don't want it for the Huskers. I, I think that puts a little bit of a limit, maybe, on your uh, potential. Puts a little ceiling on you. And I just don't feel like we're that desperate, even if it doesn't work out for Frost. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Munkin, maybe if he's going to come run something like Coastal Carolina is running, like maybe, but, uh, as far as just running the straight triple, like he's running at army. Yeah. I agree. I don't think we're that desperate. We've only been down for like a few years. You know, we had a long run of being a kind of borderline top 25 team under Bo Pelini. We recruit still well. We recruit, you know, nearly kind of top 20 level classes. So we just haven't gotten the right guys. Of course, Frost took some chances on some some players from Florida that ended up leaving. So um, I, I kind of feel like, especially in today's college football, where passing just gets more and more efficient and more and more effective, running the triple just doesn't seem like something a team that can recruit as well as Nebraska can should do. Yeah. Um, oh, and and first of all, like love that you listened in Syria. And but I, he he's a Vols fan, and I see a lot of parallels, of course. And we probably mentioned this on the podcast, but how there's parallels between Nebraska and Tennessee. Um, you know, our glory years are obviously a little bit behind us, but still both have amazing fan support and they both don't really feel terribly far away from kind of getting back. I mean, although I'd probably bet on Tennessee before, before Nebraska being at least more relevant. Um, but yeah, I don't want to convert back to the option just because even though I do hold it in high regard and I love it, but we witnessed switching from the option to a traditional offense under Callahan and just the process that that takes is a lot. And then to kind of go back again, that's just kind of sets your program back a few years. So I just, I don't, I'm not, not into that, but I maybe, maybe because option. we're younger than a lot of fans. I mean, maybe some of the older fans in the fan base would sort of 
talk themselves into it or get behind it. But I don't know. It's You just don't see – it's harder now because when Nebraska was running it in the 70s, 80s, 90s, of course they were, you know, I guess the, the – the more recent it got, uh, the more unique Nebraska's offense was. But for much of that time, there were other teams that were run heavy. It wasn't the craziest thing yeah. that Nebraska was running that offense. Now, I mean, there's not, there's no team that is a top 10, top 15 type team that is, is running that offense. And to be fair, Nebraska wasn't even necessarily a triple option team. They ran the option a lot, but they were, they don't run the same triple option that like the, the Paul Johnsons and the, uh, Navy's now run. Yeah, an army, they actually right? had some of the zone read shotgun options. Yeah, too. exactly. But, uh, that, that, like, like Michael Rock-headed. said, Coastal Carolina, like, kind of runs some of that type of stuff. That's cool. Um, but I wonder if we asked, uh, Valhalla, I wonder if you, uh, we asked, posed the same question for Tennessee. You know, like, oh. how, no, they're so close. Yeah, they, I mean, I was talking about recruiting at Nebraska. Tennessee can recruit even better than Nebraska. So they, I, yeah. I feel like they should just, you know, keep, keep trying. I agree like, too, but eventually one yeah. of these coaches will hit, but I agree. All right. Let's get to, uh, the episode of in or out. So, well, the first one we had is, uh, came on Twitter from at Whitbar10 and he asks whether we're in or out on Georgia's offense. And we thought there's a lot of Georgia fans out there. Let's put that on YouTube and see if we could get some, some yeah. Georgia viewers. So, uh, we answered that question in our latest YouTube video. When this comes out, um, it'll probably be like maybe 24 hours later that that video episode will come out. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, but, uh, Trey, what's, what's the next question? Yeah, we've got one from JuiceMin13. Chip Kelly, question mark. Ryan, what do you think? I'm out. Or out? I'm out. Well, yeah, we knew yeah, that. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That was an, <laughs> yeah. that was an easy one for Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, they you know, this year they could and honestly should have a decent team. Everything comes back and they were borderline a decent team last year. Um, but it's not like we're, they're going from good to really good. They're going from below average to maybe like average plus this year, potentially. Uh, their season win total is like set at, I think it's seven. So it's not like they're some coming into this year rocking a great team, potent, but you know, Jim Mora, I just always got to go back to Jim Mora. Was, he was like 46 and 30 there. He had a few nine and 10 win seasons. Chip Kelly didn't take over a dumpster fire. You know, there was there was some talent there, and I know it wasn't the greatest ending for Jim Mora, but it's not like some huge, huge rebuild. Chip Kelly's 10 and 21. His recruiting is significantly worse than Jim Mora's, like not even close. Um, so I just, I, don't know, I haven't seen anything that's convincing me to change my mind. I'm not saying it's impossible for it to work out there, but what's nothing's really changed for me, so I, I just, I'm still out. Yeah, I I actually agree with you. I'm I'm gonna be out. I was very very much in when the fire the the hiring first happened. I thought that he would, you know, I thought he'd make them one of the two or three best programs in in the Pac-12. But right now, the way things are going, I I don't see that happening. But like you said, they'll be pretty good this year. And they're not. It's not like they have a bunch of seniors on on this this year's team. They they could be you know pretty decent for the next couple years. And but I don't know. I just don't see. Um, getting anywhere close to the heights that I thought when the, the hire first happened, especially because of the recruiting, like you said. Like he's at UCLA you can recruit top fifteen classes, top twenty. He's he's not really close to that right now. He's in the thirties. No, he's not. But I'm gonna reluctantly go in on him. Um mainly because I'm putting chips into UCLA this year because of their experience. I mean, 
even though, and I know I said chips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't intend for that. Uh, no pun intended, but even though, you know, I know the recruiting has been below the Mora, the Mora days, but I think that if they have an above average year this year, which I'm, I think will happen, that could springboard the Bruins into some more hope for the, the coming years. And I'm not saying that chips going to reach his organ level at all, but better than what his Bruins have showed in the past couple of years. And remember when he was at Oregon, like Oregon then wasn't recruiting like Oregon is today. I mean, they were still pretty good, um, better than what he's doing at the moment. But I feel like if, if they have a good year, that could propel them to, uh, to get them up. He always overachieved is what I was saying at, at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that happening. Next question is from, uh, Carter Glenn Pilster and his topic is LSU as a whole. Michael, what do you think of uh, LSU as a whole? I, uh, so I picked up a, a couple preview magazines, uh, and they have, it was Athlon and Lindy's and, uh, they had them 16th and 17th in there. So if that's the expectation, then I think I'm going to be out on LSU. And I, I see all the arguments for them being really good. I could just as easily kind of make an argument of, of why they're going to bounce back in a big way. But I lean more towards the thought that, you know, Coach O doesn't have a long proven track record of, of being a great coach no matter what happens with, uh, shakeups with the staff, uh, below him. And last year the team, of course, was not good. And now they're breaking in new offensive court, new offensive and defensive coordinator, um, second straight year for the, the de- defensive coordinator. Neither of them have called plays before, so they might be good, but we just don't know. And, with all of that turnover, and plus, just today as we're recording, they fired the uh, offensive line coach James Craig out of nowhere. So even more turnover there. So I'm, uh, I just can't bank on on huge improvement with all that all that shakeup. Yeah, I'm. As far as like the next few years, I'm 100% in on LSU just because of the the talent that they've accumulated, and they're they're it's like too good to fail almost. But I mean, in terms of if I'm looking solely at this year. I'm probably leaning, leaning out. I know I've been hard on, on Coach O. Um, but like you said, Mike, I'm just a little too hesitant with all the shuffling of the staff a couple years in a row. And given that the on-field product last year, although it showed some signs at the end of last year, it wasn't like a, a polished product even at the end of the year. The defense was in shambles. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this year, but I'm just not in enough for them to be like where LSU wants to be. But like I said, hedging going forward all in yeah that's a tough question because of what is your expectation of course it's uh if your expectation is you know playoff potential no i don't no i don't i just don't see that this year i do see them as a but i mean i don't yeah it's just too hard right it's that's just such a huge yeah that that would be i don't that's definitely not the baseline yeah yeah I, which people. you know i i buy them though as a legitimate top 20 team um so i'm gonna i'm gonna buy on okay. them because i think they'll massively improve um, it was inevitable last year that they were going to really, really, really regress. And they ended up going five and five in SEC play, which, you know, that's not that bad. Um, and they beat Florida. So I think they're going to improve this year and give them, you know, if you get a winning record in the SEC, if they went five and three last year, I think there's no reason why they can't go five and three, maybe even six and two in the conference. Um, and then win maybe all their nine conference games, LSU plays at UCLA first one, a little, 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 little tricky, but. Um, I buy an overall though. The non-conference is very easy. Exactly. The fact that at UCLA is by far the toughest is pretty favorable. Exactly. So, and I like the fact they got rid of Bo, Bo Pelini on defense. He was atrocious. 
uh, bringing in Durante Jones. So I think the defense will be a lot better, especially with everybody returning up front. They get everybody returning up front on the offensive side too. We know how important trench play is. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in on them. Uh, I think Keyshawn, uh, Boutte is a big time playmaker for them on the outside on, on offense. Good QBs. I'm, uh, I'm in on them this year. Alrighty. Uh, next question comes from Brody underscore Hall. He says, in or out on the Notre Dame defense with Marcus Freeman? I'm in. I'm in on them. I like Marcus Freeman. He did an awesome job, of course, uh, at Cincinnati. Um, and, you know, yes, they're losing a lot of production, no doubt about it, but there's still a lot of talented guys there. Um, you know, they need to replace their defensive ends uh, and Jeremiah Wusu koramora that's a, that's a big loss. But the interior part of the line is good. Um, it should kind of help for out for any loss that they might have on the outside. Linebackers good. You got Drew White, and of course in the secondary you got stud Kyle Hamilton. So, you know, outside of those names, you're definitely going to need some guys to step up. But you know, I still think overall they got a lot of talent. They're going to be a good defense. Maybe the statistically they'll drop, especially when you consider the offense won't be as consistent. You know, and maybe won't be able to sustain some drives, so the defense might get stuck out there a little bit. But I like Freeman. I think the defense is still going to be good. And the future is really good. So I'm still in. Yeah, I'm in on Freeman there. Like you said, Ryan, though, I agree this year might take a, a, a little step back, but, but I mean, he was a sought after young defensive mind, knowing 35 years old, learned under Fickle for a few years, a, a great defensive coach. And honestly, he could have potentially, he could have become a, a head coach at one, you know, a really smaller school, um, here. So he's inheriting, like, like you said, some, some good talent. He's, he's gotten, he knows the geography well of that area. He's gotten rave reviews as, as a recruiter already. Um, so I think that'll pay dividends for Notre Dame in the coming years. So I, I'm in on, on Freeman as well. Yep. Three for three. I am in. I don't think that they're going to miss Clark Lee. I, I think Freeman is going to be just as good as him. And yeah, with, with what they're losing going into this season, I mean, like you said, they still have talent there. Maybe they'll take a tiny step back um, in 2021 on defense, but moving forward, I think that would have happened under Clark Lee too. Yeah. So I don't, I think Freeman will be great. No doubt. All right. Moving on to a question from at Aaron Wrench, Michigan's offense. Michael, you in or out? Well, so this is again about expectations. The expectations <laughs> aren't super high. So I'm going to say I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, we beat Ryan had an easy one. Michael has an easy one. Yeah, I'm typically high on Michigan, I guess. Um, I think, uh, quarterback play is going to be improved, whether it's Cade McNamara with another year under his belt or you got the five star JJ McCarthy, Alan Bowman, the transfer from Texas Tech. That's, you know, a decent battle there. And they played, you know, a good amount of young guys on the offensive line last year. Running back is set with Hassan Haskins. Ronnie Bell back at receiver. I mean, receiving core is not great, but I think, you know, another year under Josh Gaddis, uh, his, of course, year two was COVID interrupted. So maybe give him a little bit of a break there. So, I, you know, I think they'll be a little better than people think. I'm going to go exactly with you there. I am tentatively in based off of expectations, based off of maybe uh, are they going to improve off of last year? Maybe is kind of the way that I'm going to look at it. And yes, I think they will. They were about 36th. Uh, an SP plus offense. So it wasn't like they were terrible. Um, why well, should you're shaking your head at me, Trey? I think they were 42nd, but oh, whatever. My bad. I was off by six. Yeah, Squeeze I know. Me. It's in the, <laughs> in the area. I was close enough. Close enough, Trey. Um, no, yeah. So, okay. 42nd. I can see them jumping up quite a bit. Um, maybe not all the way, all the way to the top 25. Um, 
but they have enough players coming back. The system's there. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned Ronnie Bell. They also got Cornelius Johnson. You know, is it going to be some elite top 10 offense? No, but they're going to be better in my eyes. I just, I really don't see why they wouldn't be. So, uh, I'll go, I'll go in, you know, on, on this offense. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Harbaugh guy, but I'm, I'm out on this. I mean, if you're saying that their goal or their ceiling is like 25th on, on offense, like that's just not going to get it done for Michigan. I mean, they're like, look at, I mean, I know average scoring doesn't show at all, but the last three years, they've gone from 21st, 44th to 66th. Uh, SP plus, they were like mid top twenties last year, 42nd. Maybe they were 36. I won't, whatever. Um, so I just I don't I don't see this massive massive jump. I mean I thought like for instance when Shea Patterson came there I really thought like wow this offense is gonna be fun this is gonna be good. It just didn't quite pan out. Like I don't know what it is. I mean because Harbaugh usually has that magic touch and just hasn't quite produced. I mean um, SP Plus going the this preseason they have them about thirty second. I just it's just not good enough in my eyes if if you have the aspirations that Michigan does, especially with trying to chase Ohio State. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, we'll move on to the the next question here from at Joel underscore Norris. Um, he's his topic is Oklahoma defense. Uh, so Trey, you uh in or out on OU's D? I'm I'm actually in. Um, I think I mean I guess to the maybe the average fan fan out there, they um they might just think oh Oklahoma's defense is just horrendous and it's a weakness for them, but it really has improved. I mean the last few years. In both like SP plus or scoring metrics, it has gotten like noticeably better dramatically the last three years. So it's trending up. They have a lot of, uh, you know, Riley's clearly addressed that issue. Um, I don't know our specific criteria in this as far as like maybe just this year in general, but all I'm saying is it's, it's improved and I'm, I'm buying even this year the defense. It will not prevent them from going where they want to go. Yeah. I, I think the, the defense will be good. D line is loaded. You've, they've got three experienced seniors there. You got Nick Benito on the edge, potential all American. Um, secondary looks pretty good, especially at safety and they just need some young corners to step up, but the talent is there and they've got some, you know, they keep getting better and better under Alex Grinch and they've got some additions this year that, that should help. You got Jalen Redmond back on the defensive line after missing last year. Key Lawrence, who was, uh, you know, played for Tennessee as, as a freshman at safety, very talented. He could come in and start right away. Uh, K- Caleb Kelly back from injury at yeah. linebacker. So I, I think that they'll continue to improve and be a top 15, top 20 defense in the country. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm in on them. Um, couple losses, like Ronnie Perkins is one, uh, but that's yeah, a big loss. It's a big loss, but it's not something that they can't, you know, replace without, you know, so I, I think there's so much talent there still that, you know, a couple losses, they're going to be fine. They're still going to be really good, get better. Alex Grinch is a great defensive coordinator. Uh, it was a great hire by Lincoln Riley. I mean, they're, they're set. I think they're going to be good. There's not many schools that could okay. go from like, they were 101st in scoring defense like two years ago or whatever. And now they're, you know, a top 20. It's amazing. Grinch has done great. Yep. Firing Stoops was the, yeah. uh, I know he kind of had to stick with him for a little bit yeah. just because Bob Stoops gave yeah. him the job, but. Man, that was really holding him back. I had to do it. All right. Next question comes from Yinick underscore CBR. He says, Nebraska's wide receiver room. So, Trey, are you mm. in or out? I mean, someone there has to, to step up, but I'm, I'm out on, 
on the wide receiver room. I'm I'm confident that they'll be better than last year, but that is not saying much at all given how no one could stretch the field. Um, you know, nor could the quarterbacks even get the ball to them. It's been really rough the last few years without Stanley Morgan, JD Spielman a few years ago. Um, they just haven't been able to, and they haven't also been able to keep the talent that they've recruited there. A lot of the, there's been a lot of turnover. They, they get the commits and then they end up, you know, transferring out. Um, there's a lot of hope though with guys like Omar Manning. He was like the number two overall Juco, com- uh, prospect a couple years ago. Xavier Betts showed a lot of pr- uh, promise as a freshman, at least in terms of using his speed. Um, the big name this offseason for, for them was Montana State transfer Samori Toure. I mean, it, for me, it's just like I'll believe it when I see it when he's going up against the, the Big Ten competition. I hope I'm wrong, of course, but I just need the – we need that year one Adrian Martinez-Frost offense to come back. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, I got to agree with you. I mean, there there is talent, like you said, but none of these guys have had big moments really in games. Um, you know, a lot of four stars for sure, um, big-time talent. You know, uh, Xavier Betts from Omaha was a huge recruit a couple years ago. Oliver Martin was a four star. Omar Manning's a four star. Elante Brown is a four star. It's, but you don't know any of those guys' names because they haven't done anything on the field. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, at Nebraska, at this point, I don't care what you, I don't really care what the recruiting is now. It's like, if you don't do it on the field, I'm not buying you until I see it. Like, I don't care what you do in the spring, what the practice reports are. I'm out on you until you prove it on the <laughs> field because I'm so done with like overhyping. Like, it happens yeah. so much at Nebraska. I'm done with it. I'm out. That's that's my exact thought. There is not like one proven guy on you know in the receiving core. There's guys that you can talk yourselves into for sure that could be good, but no one is proven at at the Nebraska power five levels. Yeah. So I just like you. I need to see it before I believe it. So I'm out. Yep. All right. Moving on to D Moose underscore ten. BYU reloading. And not rebuilding. In or out on that, Ryan? I'm out. I'm out. Uh, you know, BYU is, is just, you know, I mean, they're not going to be terrible this year, but they're rebuilding. Let's be real. They, they lost everybody. The most loss of production in the country. Um, and you know, you go back before last year, they went seven and six the two years prior to that. So it's not like they were just constantly great. Um, you know, if they can match seven wins, I think that would be a great year. Um, and it would be a good job by Kalani Sataki. I think their win total is a six and a half. Um, the schedule was obviously much tougher than it was last year. Last year was a piece <laughs> of cake. Um, they got five Pac-12 teams on the slate. They also got Boise at Baylor at, and, uh, Virginia's on there. So there's really only, I see like one gimme. They got Idaho State. But other than that, I mean, I think they, I think they play at Georgia State. That's not a gimme. So, so many new faces. We haven't seen them to get to a point where they can just reload and they'll be good, especially against a challenging schedule. So, you know, I, I I like BYU overall going into 2022, maybe, uh, this year there's going to be growing pains. Yeah. I'm, I'm out as well. I'm not as out as I thought I would be before kind of looking more into, to BYU in the past couple of days. Um, because at quarterback, Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall both showed promise uh, a couple of years ago. So they could be better than, than we think. And they added the, uh, the Nakua brothers. At receiver transfers from Utah and Washington. So there's some, some talent there. Tyler Algier back at running back. So there's still some hope, but, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I see six or seven wins, um, which I would consider rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, they're, they're more in the rebuilding. So I am, I am out on this. Uh, like you said, Ryan Sataki just 
hasn't exactly proven to have BYU always playing at that high level. And given the incredible amount of production that they lose this year, you know, especially with the recruiting classes that they've had, I know it's not terribly easy to recruit at BYU, but they're in like, it's been about 76, the 70s, 81st last year. So they're do, they have to do a very good job at developing that, that talent, which they have done, but it's just a, it, it takes a little bit of time. So I'm, uh, I'm sure it will, but just not instant. It really is amazing. I mean, we keep bringing up the, the lost production, but when you look at Bill Connolly updated his returning production numbers, uh, like a month ago on Twitter is all he's released it at. And they are last and just dead last, like <laughs> yeah. not even close yeah. to the next team. It's like, yeah. wow. And you lose that's a number crazy. two pick. That's, uh, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on here to, uh, our next question comes from at UK cat, uh, BBN. Uh, and he's going, uh, with, uh, Kentucky's offense with the implement implementation of the LA Rams offensive system. Uh, so are you in or out on, uh, Kentucky's new system, Mike? Well, in the long term, I think it's a good move because yeah. the offense was too limited in, in the passing game. Uh, but as far as 2021, I'm going to say I'm out just because it's a, it's a big change and there's a lot of unknowns and you've got the, the losses of Drake Jackson and Landon Young up front are big to their best linemen. And all of the quarterbacks in the competition are unproven, whether it's Joey Gatewood, Will Levis, the transfer from Penn State, who I would predict is the favorite, or or the young guy, Bo Allen, all unproven. So that's just a lot of new, new offensive coordinator, new system, new quarterback. Um, that's that's a lot of change. So I'm out. But uh, Wandale Robinson, Nebraska's wide receiver room. <laughs> he ain't, he ain't losses, a savior. <laughs> Is but it's a uh, it's a, a nice big, pickup, big yeah. weapon for that's for a really nice nice piece, and I'm I'm actually in. I mean, I just because I don't know how much worse it can really drop. I mean, that was you know I'm not saying Liam Cohen will will work you know long term, but Stoops really had to address that offensive side. He's doing it. We've talked about it on the podcast. I mean, I'm a little concerned with him though that he hasn't been calling plays the last few years, but he has the tutelage under Sean McVay, who is a great offensive mind. Um, you know, having Terry Wilson wasn't doing much. That Lynn Bowden Wildcat year was really fun, but obviously not sustainable. Couldn't push the ball through the air. Then re- relying solely on a running game these days is, is tough, especially when you're not going to have like a Benny Snell every year like they had. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm in. Okay. I'm going to be out, uh, on this offense. I mean, how much worse could it get? Uh, I mean, at least they didn't really turn the ball over all that much. Uh, the last couple of years, they ran the ball so much. I'm afraid of a few interceptions in my, <laughs> coming in this year. I'm just, I'm just, I like, th- there's talent there as far as, you know, the offensive line, even though they do lose a couple guys, they still should be solid. They've been pretty solid for a little while. Oh, yeah. So it'll still be a good group. Um, the receivers, Josh Ali, Wandale Robinson, I mean, there's, there's, that's, those are some solid duo there. Chris Rodriguez was a good running back. Um, but I just can't trust any of the QBs. Uh, we have seen Will Levis. We saw him at Penn State. Uh, just he, they really didn't even want to throw with him when he was in the game. Gatewood hasn't shown anything. The young guy, Boala, I don't trust at all. So I, <laughs> I've got to be out. I, I, cause I can't buy any of those quarterbacks yet. Maybe if one of those guys jumps up and surprises, okay, then this, they could be better. Um, I think they'll still have a little ways to go, but you know, a future this is the right call. You got to improve it, but. It's just, I, I, this year, I don't think it's going to go all that well. All right. Next question from underscore Zach Lang 15. 
He says, in or out on Oklahoma State's defense, returning one of the top safety duos in college football. Yeah, uh, I'm in. I'm in on the, on the, on the Pokes defense here. Uh, they do have a very good safety duo. Really a good secondary overall. Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell Peel. That's a great safety duo. Tanner McAllister, also good kind of secondary player there. All, all good guys. Um, worried a little bit about losing Rodarius Williams. Uh, he was a quite, quite the good corner for them. Um, and they did give up a few too many of the, the big plays. Um, but enough pieces definitely return from this defense that it, it's going to be good. Especially since the, like they really only lost one key contributor from the front, um, so the defensive line is going to be good. Linebackers good shape. Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper back. So, yeah, if I was an Okie State fan, honestly, I, I'd be more worried about the offense. And is is Spencer Standers going to like take a leap? Because I think the defense is going to be solid. I know it's amazing that that's the question we're asking now. You know, after mm-hmm. all those years mm-hmm. we've been trained for Oklahoma State just to have a powerful offense and a bad defense, but it's amazing what Jim Knowles has done. So. To my point, I'm I'm in on on the this Pokes defense. They they had a top twenty defense last year, projected to be as good or even better this year. I mean, they have they have a few players that opted back to return as as you know super seniors uh, to add to that depth. The D line is almost completely intact. Uh, linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez had a big year. You would think he would uh, improve even more this this year. He was their second leading tackler. They bring in a, a top JUCO guy like. There are some good pieces there. You already mentioned Ryan, like guys like Trey Sterling. So, and and their 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 system, they have such a great secondary. It's a four two five, and so yeah. with a with a good secondary, that really helps, especially against you know the pass happy Big Twelve. So, I uh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm not sure this one is polarizing. I'm I'm in as well. What's yeah. I don't think there's much reason to think they won't be good. Just history, um, I guess, on this. Like I guess so. Yeah, you know, like are they really good? Like. <laughs> Now it would have been, right. I guess, now if you were really thinking about the Pope's offense. <laughs> yeah, true. That is that, yeah. actually that is a good question. Like, you're in or out on that? Because I know I like Ryan, Ryan, you're not super high on Spencer Sanders. Always, he he has yeah. those flashes of brilliance, but he's played quite a bit, and it has never really been great. I mean, he's been yeah. good last sometime, year with Chuba. There wasn't a ton of they underperformed. Mm-hmm. A little offensive bit. line really struggled last yeah, year, and they yeah. had a bunch of guys like I think they had. Maybe a guy retire. They had some injuries. It just yeah. was kind of a mess yeah, there, which I think affected yeah. the whole offense. And, you know, now, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, Talon Wallace, of course, are not there. Yeah. Um, I'm probably yeah. out on the offense, but I I don't know. I reserve the right to change that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I think I'd agree. But, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 in general has some pretty decent defenses now with OU having a good yeah. defense. Iowa State, of course, good. West Virginia TCU, was pretty solid last year. Always, West Virginia was really good. They, yeah. we'll see what happens with them. They're interesting because yeah, they were maybe the best defense of the Big Twelve last year, but couple some some key transfers, yeah. um, couple this offseason. Yeah, so. the the stigma of them just being crazy offenses is uh, at least this year might take a step back. Yeah, mm-hmm. defense will have some limelight. All right, next one from T Real Sugar Shane, Jim Harbaugh. Michael got Michael? two uh, Michigan ones here. Yeah, Michael, where are you? Where are you leaning <laughs> here on Harbaugh? Well, well, it kind of depends on what you mean here. It does, but I I'm in on him as a coach. Like up until Michigan, of course, his whole entire career before Michigan, a plus job everywhere he'd been, and at Michigan, of course, inherited what had mostly been a mediocre team for the past seven or eight years before he got there. He immediately made them very good, made them into kind of a baseline nine or ten win. Uh, type team. Now, obviously they haven't been 
And, and well, since he's been there too, he's been really only behind Ohio State as far as a program since he's been there. He's right there with Wisconsin, Penn State, um, especially maybe Wisconsin's got a few more wins in the Big Ten, but they're on the, they're on the, easy on side, the easier yeah. side of the division. So, you know, they, they haven't been as good as they wanted and maybe as, definitely not as good as Michigan is capable. So of course that lowers my opinion of him a bit, but, and, and of course last year, was bad. And so if he doesn't turn it around this, this year, then he'll get fired and deserve it. Like, I think two things can be true. He can kind of, his time can run out at Michigan and sort of things get stale there, but yet he's still a good coach. And I would, you know, if I was another program, I would want to hire him and think that he would improve my team. So yeah, that's kind of a, a tentative in. Yeah. I'm in. I got to go in still. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll That's let Trey. That's a bad sign for Michigan fans, I think. I'll let Trey go on this one then. All right. All right. No, I'm, this is hard for me to say, but I, I'm out. I, I think he's tremendous. He gets a lot of undeserved hate, but I just don't foresee uh, a dramatic rise back up this year for Michigan. Um, the offense just hasn't, we talked about it earlier, it hasn't really clicked under Gaddis. Haven't got that receiver production. Um, losing Don Brown at de- defensive coordinator and replacing him is tough. It just, it's just too large of a gap right now between, I know it's hard to compare to Ohio State because they're the juggernaut, but that's where Michigan wants to be. And there's just a, a pretty significant gap there right now. Yeah. So how many wins do you think Michigan needs for Harbaugh to keep his job? This year, obviously, it kind of depends on how it happens, yeah. but yeah. it's one of those things the... like we. It does depend how it happens because we we saw it with like Bo Pelina. He could go nine and three, but those three losses, they just get trucked. And it's like you know that they have, the person will say, "Well, we won nine games." Well, yeah, but he also got destroyed in the meaningful ones. So, um, I think it would have to be. I don't know. Do we? Know, what is their over under? Do we know? I think it's like seven and a half. Oh wow! If they go, which is, which yeah, is crazy because. If they only win eight, even though that would exceed the offshore expectations, I think he would still get fired, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, I think eight is uh, definitely it's close. Puts That's, him on shaky ground. It would yeah. need to be like if he's going to survive eight, you'd need like JJ McCarthy came in late in the season, looked yeah. really good, and and there was some promise, some competitive forward. losses. Yeah, some close losses. Um, yeah, I think eight, and he's likely gone. Yeah. Uh, like I would put over 50% that he's gone. Yeah, that would, pr- that's probably the line right there. I mean, that f- was, I think the second week they play Washington. That's yep. going to be, uh, that's a big big game. game. That's a pretty big game there for Harbaugh. Cause that could set help set up. the tone for the year. Yep. Yep. All right. All right, Ryan. So you're, you in or out on him? I'm in. I'm in. Oh wait, you said you were in. That's I was right. in, that's but Milo, Milo yeah. and Trey are out. Ryan and Michael are in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going in. He's did one bad year. And otherwise, it there's he's been fine, right? Okay. So, all right, well, let's move on here to Kyle uh, Britch. I think that's how you say it. Uh, he had five bold statements here. Um, so we'll see here. Which one are you the most in on and which one are you the most out on? All right, so I'll go ahead and kind of just read through the five bold statements. Bryce Young will pass for 3,500 yards uh, for Alabama this year. A G5 school will be invited to the college football playoff. Clemson will win every regular season game this year by 15 or more. Gus Malzahn will go undefeated at UCF. 
And this year will be the first time that every team entering the playoff is undefeated. So which one are you most in on and which one are you most out on? And uh, Trey, what do you think? Yeah, I think that... The out on was, was tough to decide. There's a few, but the in on. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I'm, we might, I wonder if we'll all agree. I don't know. I'm saying that Bryce Young will pass for 3,500 yeah. yards for Alabama. We this all season. agree. We okay. Agree. I mean, it's not a slam dunk, of course, but, but Mac Jones, he had 4,500 yards last year in a slightly shortened year. Um, the year before Tua had 28, but he missed, he had 2,800. Sorry. But, um, but missed some time with injury. And then Mac Jones, the year before that, he had like 3,900. Yeah, and Mac Jones had like he got the team over four thousand, you know, with yeah. them two combined. So, you know, I, there were there are worries, of course, replacing Sarkeesian, and given that Young doesn't have the experience that kind of Tua and Jones had going into the last couple years, um, but I I'll, I have comfort that that offense should be still pretty good. You guys, it's almost a question of we all agree the quarterback on the for the whole season. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah. So we we all agree on the end. Then I'll lead to my out, uh, and I'm gonna say about I'm most out on Gus Malzahn going undefeated at UCF. Um, I like Gus at UCF. I think it's a it's a good marriage. Um, DraftKings posted their over under at nine and a half. Starting out against Boise is very difficult. Then they have to go on the road to Louisville, Cincinnati, of course, SMU. Um, you know, that's just a very tough slate to just go unscathed in, in year one. So that's the one I was out on. That's the one I was out on too. I, this was, like you said, the tougher question. Um, and I like, I'm bullish on UCF this year. Offense returns a lot yep. with Dylan Gabriel back, uh, Jalen Robinson back a receiver. Um, defense does have to replace a lot, but Malzahn was able to get some good transfers. So, um, I think they'll be good, but yeah, it going undefeated is a, is a tough ask. The other one, well, Ryan, what, what did you go with? For I was out? teetering, but I'm going to go with Clemson winning every regular season game by 15 or more. Um, okay. especially when it includes Georgia <laughs> on the old schedule. Yeah. That's, uh, that's tough. I mean, going through winning by more than 14 every single game, 14 is like, okay, if you say 14 or more, you know, that's different, but 15 or <laughs> okay. more, oh, oh boy, that's a big point, man. Uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I, that's just a, not many teams if, have ever done that. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say, Clemson that that one's a little too much for me that's a fine choice I I thought about that but if Clemson does beat Georgia by more than 15 obviously that's a big underdog but then you start sweating because (laughs) you look at the rest of the schedule sure it's likely they'll they'll yeah they'll somebody in there but play with them but maybe not uh so I was between so yeah obviously I'm, I'm out on Melzahn but the other one I was I was thinking about was that every team entering the playoff will be undefeated because it's obviously yeah it's never happened but 2018 and 2019, there were three teams that were undefeated. So it did get kind of oh, yeah. close. That's why I'm not going with it. But it also just seems really hard to happen because especially with Georgia and Clemson playing each other, I feel like that the fact that you're automatically going to wipe out one of the teams that was had a good chance of going undefeated and um, even Oregon and Ohio State playing each other, that kind of wipes out one good potential undefeated team. So. I thought about that one. Yeah. I, it is, a, it's, I like the bold take of it though, because like, it's not unfathomable. Like, you know, cause especially when you throw in the mix, Cincinnati has a chance yeah. to go unbeaten. Um, and then of course, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I mean, there's some, there's, you could make a case, but it was, it's obviously very difficult. Even, um, yeah, I, I agree there. 
Okay, next uh, one comes from Joel Norris. He says, the Notre Dame quarterback room. So are you in or out, Trey? I'm out on the, the room this year. I think, I don't know, Notre Dame fans are probably going to hate me. I just, maybe I'm, they're going to prove me wrong. I know it, but I'm just not. not well, you hot. were in on Marcus Freeman, so there Sorry, you That's a good point. I am in on him, but I think it, I'm just going into this year. I think I'm pretty bearish on, on the Irish and hey, like I said, they'll probably prove me wrong, but you know, losing Ian book is tough. And then having so much production around him go away. Well, it's going to make that next quarterback have a difficult time. Uh, I know Brian Kelly will do a good job at generating the most out of whoever it is. It looks like obviously Jack Cohen, uh, at this point, the Wisconsin travel, uh, transfer. But I, I mean, he, he's, he's, he is a good quarterback, but he hasn't been asked to carry the offense by himself with his arm like it you know at wisconsin he it was a lot on the ground game too and he's not as quite as good of a runner as ian book was um the players behind him at in the quarterback room have almost zero experience i mean i think there's a lot of upside in the in terms of the overall quarterback room like tyler buckner a five-star recruit dual threat from san diego he's the future but he didn't even play as a senior in high school because of covid so there's just a lot of question marks in that quarterback room at this point yeah, there there definitely are. Uh, I think Jack Cohn's a good uh, a good bridge quarterback for sure. Um, I don't think he's going to yes. lead them to a uh, you know playoff or anything like that. It's just it's too much to put on his shoulders considering all they lost. Uh, I do like the future. I agree with you, Trey. I think Buckner's going to be really good. Um, I think he'll be the man come twenty twenty two. Maybe get his feet wet this year a little bit. Um, but other than that, it's just. Um, I'm I'm down on it this year compared to what it was last year, and I just don't think it'll be Jack Cohn's going to be able to be that great. Um, but in the future, I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm out on the the quarterback room as well, and just because, like Trey said, it's Jack Cohn was put in such a great position with a great offensive line at Wisconsin, great running game. You know, you got Jonathan Taylor, guys like that to hand off to, so wasn't asked to do much. And I guess that's the hope for Notre Dame is that he won't be asked to do a ton, but they do lose four starters on that offensive line, so that is a question mark. Um, so yeah, I just don't, and the receiving core, there's, you know, there's some talented players and some guys you can talk yourself into, but again, like, there's no one that's a proven great receiver there. So I don't, I don't think Cone is in the, the greatest position, even though Brian Kelly's good with quarterbacks. And I'm sure he's fine. Like, yeah, we're having to go in or out here. If I could just go, meh, he's, he's solid. Yeah, yeah and I would say that, but terrible. No, but, uh, I'm out. Yep. All right. Next one from Nick Rodriguez podcast. Sark's influence on Texas's offense in year one. Ryan, are you in or out on that? Uh, year one, uh, I'm going to be out. I just think it's a, it's a tough order in year one to get the offense, uh, rolling with a, with a new quarterback in play. Uh, I mean, at least we have seen Casey Thompson, uh, do pretty well, at least in a bowl game. Uh, but, Putting in a brand new system, new pieces, new quarterback. Uh, I like Sark overall. I think the offense will be good. Uh, maybe get better later in the year, and then heading into next year, they'll be really good. Um, but just not enough for me to say, "Hey, I'm com- I'm confident, and I'm going to be really good." So I, I guess I got to go out on-, on this one. Okay, I'm I'm going to go in um, partly because I think Sarkeesian is a, a very good offensive coach, but also just because I think he he inherits quite a bit of talent. I mean, outside of Ellinger. They don't lose a whole lot on offense. B. John Robinson at running back should have a monster year and seems to be two decent options at quarterback with Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. So I don't think they'll be great right away, but 
I think there's top 15 offense potential for sure. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, but I, but I'm out as well this year. Uh, I just think the expectation of him coming in the first year and instantly kind of not matching or, or recreating the album magic, magic is going to happen. That's not what I'm saying, but I just don't, I think it's a lot uh, too much to ask. I mean, I love how he utilized the weapons at Alabama, but he just needs to develop it here first. I mean, I don't even, I don't think the offense this year at Texas is going to be as good as it was last year. Um, they, they finished in the top 10 in efficiency. And then I was reading, I kind of read a little bit more in the, in the spring game, at least from what I, what I was seeing is that Hudson Card and Casey Thompson, neither of them kind of established this themselves clearly as, as the starter. Some writers are actually even leaning towards Card at this point, but it, it seems razor thin. The other thing about Texas offense is they lose a guy on the offensive line like Cosme. Um, and they were saying that in, in the spring game or in the spring, the first and second team defenses seem to have control of that offensive line. So didn't like reading that. You guys made some good points there. <laughs> Maybe slayed me. All right. Moving on here to the next one from at Dan Savage underscore live. Uh, he asked Toledo, 98% of the team returning with a schedule that includes Norfolk State, UMass, Northern Illinois, Akron, and Bowling Green. So uh, in or out on Toledo, Mike? I'm in. Yeah. I mean, 98%. That is a, that's a crazy number. Um, and they were pretty good last year. They were four and two, had a couple close losses. So I think they definitely have a shot to win the Mac, especially with Buffalo losing their head coach, Lance Leopold, and losing some, some transfers to Kansas as well. So, um, they are certainly vulnerable. Uh, one question, uh, is if Carter Bradley at quarterback can be as good as Eli Peters, who retired due to, due to injuries. Bradley, he, he threw a lot of picks in the, not a lot of pass attempts last year. So, um, I don't know if it's just a couple bad games or if it's something to be concerned about. That's, that's the one concern I would have. I agree totally. If Eli Peters was there, man, it would be watch out, I think. Uh, but I love this question because we get to talk a little bit of action, but I'm, I'm in. Um, Dan is right when he talks about their schedule. The bottom portion of the conference is, pretty bad and then combine that with those gimmies that he's talking about uh you know at notre dame is going to be of course pretty pretty tough but they host colorado a game though yeah you think so but it's that'll be very difficult um but then they host colorado state in the glass bowl very winnable yeah. and then the other thing about their schedule is they avoid buffalo and kent state uh from the mac east two of the top teams over there so it sets up pretty nice um they do have some challenging road games within within the conference but like Dan mentioned, you know, with all that returning production, most of the two deep on both sides of the ball is back. Michael, you said they're a few points away from being six and oh. It's a it's a good team coming back. So I think um I'm I like Toledo this year. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. I don't need to say too much on more on that. I'm definitely in on Toledo. It's uh, you know, they've kind of been the class ish of the pro of of that conference for a little while. They seem to be always pretty good. Um I don't see any reason why considering all the things that you guys said that they wouldn't be this year, so Got to be in on Toledo. Go Rockets. All right. Last question. Last topic here is it comes from at TRAW15 underscore Mel Tucker at Michigan State. You guys in or out? Yeah. Uh, that's such a hard one. This might be the one where I'm most down the middle. Uh, I, that, I a, thought the exact same thing. Such an unknown. Like one year in Colorado, not bad, not great. One year in Michigan State, tough spot, not bad really not great yeah so it's it, recruiting not great kind of bad but uh it's early it's early 
So it, yeah, it was, he recruited, unfortunately, like, um, the end of, uh, Mark D'Antonio, you know, era. And, yeah. but that was the, for every first year coach, uh, in this COVID off season, that was kind of the case. So yeah, it's probably kind of hitting expectation again. Yeah. You know? And that, but that's a disadvantage for him, you know, which, Hey, yeah. kind of starting behind the eight ball even more. So I'm going to go out, uh, just cause, you know, it seems like in order for, to, you know, especially on that side of the division with, you know, with the Penn State's, Michigan's, uh, Ohio State's, and even Indiana now is per- perking up. Uh, heck, even Maryland's bringing in some pretty good recruiting. Uh, it just seems like you're going to have to up the ante a little bit, uh, Michigan State. And I just don't know if, uh, if he can do that. So I'm going to have to go out on Mel Tucker. Yeah. I mean, when we first, when they first hired him, I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of in. I like this, even though he was unproven. I just thought it could be a fit. But I think the reason that I'm like leaning towards out at this point is because of, you know, the old cliche, it's hard to follow the legend. Um, but, but on top of that, the legend was kind of tapering off pretty quickly at the very end of his tenure. Like it wasn't, he didn't inherit all this. Uh, Tucker didn't inherit this thriving program. Um, so that's why it, it's going to be difficult for him to back it up because of what you mentioned, Ryan, but it's, I like him. Like, I think he's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a tough spot. Most, and most coaches are fired within a few years. So that's kind mm-hmm. of, you kind of got to show me something really good for me to, to really buy in. And so far he's just, like you said, every, whether at Colorado or Michigan state, he's just kind of been expectation. Yeah. And so with Michigan state in a tough spot and talent, not really there on the roster right now. It's, it's going to be tough to dig out of. So that's, that's why I'm out, but nothing really to do with him specifically, just kind of no. the situation he's yep. in. I agree. All right. Well, that'll do it for the college football bros podcast. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Like we said, we got the, our thoughts on whether we're in or out on Georgia's offense. And other than that, we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the college football bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, Email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done, all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm.